Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. And today, it is Conspiracy Friday, where we brought a very special guest in the building, an author, a content creator, and most importantly, an educator, Linda P. Jones is in the building, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how U.S. adoption is underway, but Dubai is leading by example, as one of their regulatory bodies has now approved XRP to be traded by their SEC. As tokenization is beginning to take the world by storm, BlackRock, JP Morgan, and Wells Fargo are excited about this new technology. We're going to break down the details during the show, debating what comes first, a Ripple IPO or $2 XRP. And with the most powerful financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, there's a lot of exciting news yesterday. We got news out of Georgia but Dubai is taking the world by storm. And like I said, leading by example. I'm super excited to go over that news. But first of all, how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Well, I'm not happy that Dubai is leading the world in cryptocurrency. I'd like to see another country do that instead. But good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you guys showing up every single day, tuning in to learn more about crypto. It's super exciting. And I am excited because after we got Linda P in the house today, I can't wait to hop into it with her. Absolutely, Linda. And the content they knew you were coming on this morning because the articles are amazing. We've got some great content to go over. But before we talk about that, how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. I'm doing great, Abs. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. It's always exciting to have you. And think about it. We are on the precipice of something that we've been talking about for almost three years now, Johnny Crypto. The sentiment's changing. The narrative around crypto is changing. And finally, the regulatory agencies are stepping up and providing clarity for this market. That's what we're going to be breaking down today. But before we do any of that, we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of the daily movers this morning, Johnny, XLM is up 3%. Cardano is up 5%. Filecoin is up 2.5%. But the yeah. rest of the market, it's split across the board. And when we look at the Marlo market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.28 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 53% dominance. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 34,700, Ethereum 1810, XRP trading at 61 cents this morning. And that's amazing. I'm just checking that for the first time now. We've also got Cardano above 30 cents, 
trading at 32 cents this morning. And Linda, we got 252 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'd like to get this out of the way to start the show. Yesterday, Sam Bankman-Fried was found guilty on seven charges by the United States government. And this is a statement that was put out by a U.S. attorney yesterday. Attorney here in the Southern District of New York. Sam Bankman-Fried perpetrated one of the biggest financial frauds in American history, a multi-billion dollar scheme designed to make him the king of crypto. Here's the thing. The crypto, the cryptocurrency industry might be new. The players like Sam Bankman-Fried might be new. But this kind of fraud, this kind of corruption is as old as time. And we have no patience for it. My name is... Well, Johnny, here's what I find so funny. They're using him as a scapegoat, right? And Linda, I want to get your opinion on this as well. They called him the next JP Morgan. He was on CNBC. He was on Fox News. He was on every mainstream media outlet. And they were painting him as not only a genius, but remember... Sam didn't care about money. That was the whole narrative. He drives a 2001 Honda. He's one of the most down-to-earth individuals. He just plays video games all day. So it's so funny to see them now flip the narrative and use him as a negative aspect of crypto, saying this is a warning to all crypto investors out there. $40 million in political donations. So his father was a, a Stanford teacher, I believe. So there's just so many narratives that are going on here. And Linda, what's very interesting is that this is what's going to happen to Gary Gensler, I believe. At the end of the day, when they replace Gary Gensler as chairman, we're going to see a 180 from the SEC as well. But what do you think about Sam Bankman-Fried not only being held accountable, but now being used as a scapegoat? Well, I think this is a very important market marker for crypto. I think that they usually have problem, reaction, solution. This is the problem. Now we're going to see what the lawmakers come back with and use this to push forward, whether it's digital ID or whether it's no money laundering through, you know, any crypto that has any uh, problems with money laundering or drug trafficking or human trafficking or anything like that, we'll see. But I think they're going to use this to their advantage to do whatever next legislation they want to push. And unfortunately, we're seeing senators like Elizabeth Warren paint crypto custody in a negative light as well. She talked about the negative aspect of self-custody this week, and we were super critical of that. I believe it was on Tuesday's episode. But Johnny, we got a ton of rental content to get into. So you tell me, what are your thoughts on Sam Bankman-Fried being held accountable? John Deaton's predicting 60 years is what he could be facing. You know, Abs, I'll believe that when I see it. You know, don't forget, this guy bought a very, very big get-out-of-jail-free card. He paid a lot of money in donations. So I don't know how that's going to play out in this whole thing. I think it does feel like Sam is going to be the fall guy to this whole thing, and he rightfully should be. You know, for us, he was the genius. Now he's the fall guy. Um, but the reality is people need to be held, held accountable for crimes. That's just the bottom line, right? And he he created a massive one. And Linda's 100% spot on, primary action solution. There will be some outcome that they will point exactly to the FDX case and say, oh, you see, because of that, we need to do this. And that's just no question about it. That's okay. And, that, and, and, and now the question is, what is that thing that comes out of it? That could be a good thing for this industry or it could be a bad thing from this industry. If it comes from... From Warren, Senator Warren, it's going to probably be a bad thing, right? But if it comes from Emmers or Davidson and that other, the, the pro-crypto faction of Congress, then maybe we're okay. And that's what we don't know. That's what we need to wait and see, Abs. That's what we're all waiting for is some clarity so we don't have to worry on Gary Dantzler to create it for us because Gary has proven he's not capable of doing it either. 
You're spot on, Johnny. And I just want to throw one more detail in here. Caroline Ellison explained in her testimony that Sam had plans to become the president of the United States. Oh. So that, that leads me to believe those political donations were not for the betterment of humanity. I think they were in his own self-interest. But think about these stats here, guys. $8 billion in customer deposits went missing from the world's third largest crypto exchange. And they compared this to the collapse of Enron. So what do you think, Linda, before we move on really briefly, Sam Bankman-Fried, did he have a shot at being president of the United States? <laughs> I don't think so. But he did start out this whole FTX situation with, I think, not good intentions. So I think the way this all was set up, the way he paid off politicians, not only in the U.S., but also in China, and set himself up in the Bahamas, which had a lot looser regulatory situation. This was a Bernie Madoff fraud operation from the beginning. Yeah. And I think they wanted to make it the payment for order flow of crypto, uh, where they are guaranteed returns no matter what, because they're getting a piece of every trade. I think they were trying to set that up. Uh, similar to what Citadel has done here in the U.S. that controls 40% of all trades on the New York Stock Exchange and gets a piece of that. So I think they were trying to do that on crypto, but I also think it was a fraud from the beginning. And it, it has just been a debacle. Thank goodness the market went down. They had margin calls. You know, it was unfortunate they commingled customer money. And that's where, you know, the whole situation was uncovered was from the market dropping really and them getting into financial trouble. And this is how the narrative around crypto has always been, right? It's for terrorist funding. It's for nefarious activity. And we've seen nothing different this year with the campaigns being run by Senator Brad Sherman, I believe out of California and Elizabeth Warren out of Massachusetts. This is the latest article I found this morning and this will make our listeners laugh. So earlier this week, we reported that Senator Warren had talked about $130 million worth of crypto funding had been provided to terrorist groups like Hamas in Israel. Well, the latest data had comes out and I just lost my, I zoomed in too much, so I lost my highlights, but this is all our listeners really need to focus on. That $130 million worth of terrorist funding was reduced due to an error to $21,000. You can talk about accidents. I'm going to talk about intentionally misleading investors here, Linda, but what do you think? We're going to talk Ripple in Dubai. I couldn't avoid this article. $130 million reduced to $21,000 in terrorist funding. Do you think this was an accident or was this intentionally misleading? I think it's intentionally misleading. I think they're trying to paint crypto with a negative brush. They're using the FTX to make all crypto look bad. And that's why I think it's a turning point. I think this is sort of where we get the maximum pessimism about crypto right before we get the legitimacy of crypto, because we do have the ISO 2022 go live coming November 20th, which I think is going to be a milestone for crypto moving forward. So I think this is coming, you know, everything is planned with money. Everything has to be planned. You can't do anything off the cuff. So to me, this negativity, this, uh, FUD around crypto is coming at exactly the bottom, most pessimistic point that you can get in terms of all of crypto and looking at all of crypto. So for them to say that it was huge money laundering, well, we know huge money laundering happens with cash more than it does with crypto, right? So, you know, they're wanting to paint this with a brush. You make a great point. And one of the things I want to focus on is the psychology of the market chart that we've been showing all week. Linda, you're very familiar with Wall Street. On Wall Street, they use the psychology of the market chart 
you can copy and paste that thing on top of Bitcoin right now. And what I've seen very clearly is we've made it through uh, the fear, the depression, the what is the third word I'm looking for in a bear market, Johnny? It's not hopium. It's the opposite of that. But oh, it, it was denial. It was denial. Denial. Or... Yes. Denial, fear. We've made it through that long term bear disbelief. market. Disbelief. Was on the chart. Disbelief. And now what we're entering is the hope, the optimism and what comes is the headlines. And that's what we're waiting on right now. We've seen articles about Bitcoin ETFs. I believe there's over a dozen applications sitting on the desk at the SEC. And we know when they approve BlackRock or, or ARK Invest, whoever it is, they're going to have a very difficult time denying the other applications sitting at the SEC. So before we get into any of our other content, what do you think about the Bitcoin ETF narrative? A lot of people are optimistic. What are your thoughts? When I see everybody going on camera, on television, especially Larry Fink, who just, I think it was two years ago, said that Bitcoin was a way to launder funds. Mm -hmm. And now he's on CNBC saying it's a great investment Flight opportunity that everyone should Flight have. Flight to safety. Flight to safety, Linda. When I see that, plus everybody else, you know, uh, Mike Novogratz, all the usual characters, uh, talking positively about Bitcoin, it feels to me like they're trying very hard to move the price up and to get optimism. First, they put it on DTCC, then they take it off DTCC. They're trying to persuade public opinion that this is coming right now. I don't think it's coming this year if it happens. Uh, there's a, a small chance I think it may not happen. Uh, and that's a whole nother conversation. But if it happens, I think it's probably next year. But I don't like it when everybody is on one side trying to pump the price up and we have excessive uh optimism right now on the sentiment chart so that's where crashes happen from that side of the chart when you're excessively optimistic not when you're pessimistic and we have too much optimism right now so i'm cautious and i've been through a couple of bull markets johnny even during a bull market bitcoin will pull back 20 30 40 percent during its bull run. So I think Linda's absolutely right. Sentiment is so high and everybody's so optimistic. Wouldn't surprise me at all if Bitcoin went to 40,000 and then pulled all the way back to about 24, $22,000 before continuing its bull run. But we got 416 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Linda P for joining us this morning. Always exciting to have you on, but Johnny, you give me your thoughts and then we'll dive into some ripple content. Yeah, I'm well, you know where I stand. I talk about it every day. I'm a, I'm 100% in agreement with Linda. I've been saying I don't think we're going to see the BTF ETF BTC ETF till next year. Um it seems like they're going to line this thing up right in time with the having uh and they're going to bring maximum pump in news and so I think we'll get that. Uh we'll also get, you know, the liquidity event that Larry talked about coming this year. You've got the Fed that says they're going to lower rates. There are so many catalysts that are coming next year. It just feels like, you know, and now that BlackRock's in it and they got skin in the game now, they're going to pump this whole bitch up like they never pumped it up before. You're going to see this thing get so pumped up, Abs. Um, they're going to drive it as high as possible. Don't forget, BlackRock owns. Not only do they own a shit ton of Bitcoin through MicroStrategy, they also own some of the miners. So they are primed and ready to go to drive this thing as high as humanly possible, I think. And you've seen the biggest WWE heel turn ever where they where, where him and Diamond, you know, talking about how bad and it's a scam. We're going to fire people. And now it's the best thing since sliced bread and a flight to safety. That tells you they are ready. They are in position. They are so ready to make so much money off of this that now they're going to start getting all the talking heads at some point in this chart 
you know, when the time is right, they're going to flip the narrative and, and you're just going to continue. Now, the thing that worries me is exactly what Linda said. When everybody expects something to happen, that's not how the market works. It does just the opposite. And so that's what we're going to have to wait and see. Everybody's gung-ho right now. Abs. Everybody thinks Bitcoin's higher and it's going to go higher. It's not. It's going to. It's probably going to do the opposite, like you said. It's going to pull back because on that chart, if you look very carefully, there's a bear trap in there in the beginning. You see that bear trap right there? Right there. Yeah, that's a bear trap where they pump it up. Everybody gets excited. They tank it, shake out all the weak hands, and then look what they do. They send that son of a bitch flying like they never signed it before. That's coming. We haven't seen that yet, in my opinion. And that's what I'm still waiting for, that bear trap. And one of the reasons why that happens is because Wall Street makes more money when they short something than they do on the upside. So they make a lot more money and they make it faster when they can go short and the price drops. And that's what they love to do. That's where they really clean up. And Linda, correct me if I'm wrong. Abs, bring that chart back. Linda, not only are they going to make money on the upside, but they know. And this is a great question for you because you worked in that. How do these guys know? Like, like, look at that chart going up, right? At some point, it's going to stop. It can't go any higher. And it seems like they always know when the top is, and then they short, and then they ride it on the way down, too. How do they know that? Do they have access to leverage accounts where they can see how much leverage is in the market to know it's fully over leveraged, and that's when they short? I was wondering if you could tell us any insights. would be great because it'd be. I'm just curious. Like, How do they know where the top is all the time? They get it right every time. Well, remember, they have tools to see things. You know, in the stock market, they have level two. They can see behind the scenes things that we don't see. Um, they've got all kinds of behind the scenes things. But remember, Wall Street has also hired psychologists to study investor behavior. They know exactly what to say to get investors overexcited, not just excited, but overexcited where they're investing too much money and mm -hmm. thinking it's a sure thing and throwing it all in. And then they know, you know, they can measure when people are too exuberant and then they can go short. So they have lots of different controls, but they also own a lot of the media outlets. So they own a lot of the online publications that control what the narrative is. Correct. And then they go on TV to also hype the narrative. So it's a lot of hype. We can't just go by what media and articles are saying. We have to realize that there's a whole nother game being played behind the scenes. Well, yeah. Linda, the question that we asked in our live chat today is what does our audience believe will come first, a Ripple IPO or a $2 XRP? Before we get into the Dubai content, we got to discuss a Ripple IPO because I know you put out fantastic videos on YouTube. You, you always cover this on your Twitter as well. We're seeing a lot of optimistic signs from the company Ripple as well as the currency XRP. And the number one thing that sticks out to me is the mergers and acquisitions that have happened during this bear market. So what are you anticipating out of Ripple during maybe 2024 or over the next 18 months or so, I'm anticipating an IPO. What are you seeing? Okay. So I think before company IPOs, there are many things that they want to do to have everything in place. So one of the things they want to do is have a billion dollars of cash, which we know they have check. We know that they're starting a shareholder uh, department to work with the public after they go public. So check, they, they put the, the word out that they're hiring someone for that position. They make acquisitions to look like they're um, pursuing multiple different channels so that they can look like they can be a dominator in the future. So Ripple's doing that by, you know, with Medico, they're looking at storage, right, and custody. 
with uh, other deals they have such as Uphold. Now they have more liquidity because Uphold is a unique exchange in that it sources its funds from multiple exchanges behind the scenes. So it works differently than Coinbase, right? So it has a lot of sources of liquidity. So they've got this new partnership with Uphold. That's a big deal. You know, all of these things that they're doing and all these new relationships are leading up to very good news and a very good valuation, I believe, at the time of IPO, which I'm estimating right now at next spring. Spring of 2024 is what I'm looking for. Linda, this is what's really interesting, and I'm not going off topic here, but it fits in perfectly to what we've talked about with the XRP chart. We have a friend, we call him Waters Above, and what he does is he's really big into like numerology and astrology and things of that nature. And we're not going to get into that right now, but his point was that April of 2024, from a price chart perspective, that's when he's analyzing the next massive move for XRP. And what we've been anticipating for quite a long time is that Ripple's going to IPO at the peak of the market. So what would make the most sense is for the highest company evaluation. And I think this is what John Deaton's breaking down right here. He said, I've said for more than three years, Ripple is not going to abandon XRP. It has a fiduciary duty not to. Do the math here, guys. In 2015, a Series A valuation put Ripple at $128 million. 2016, a Series B valuation was $410 million. In 2020, a Series C valuation was $10 billion. And in 2022, a Series C buyback valuation, $15 billion. And Linda... If that's not trending in the right direction, I don't know what is. So what do you think about John Deaton thoughts as well as the price chart correlating with when Ripple could IPO? Yeah, I mean, I have a very big rally coming in the stock market and NASDAQ starting about right now through next June. So that would put the perfect timing. That's why I chose next spring as the perfect timing for Ripple to go public. I think that will be an important peak in the market. And that will be a time when they can maximize their value. But I'll just do my back of the envelope calculation for you if you want, which um, currently, as of this morning on Link2's platform, Ripple was valued at $9.5 billion. So you can see that a couple of years ago, they were at $15 billion. So obviously, they're not worth less now that they have clarity from the court that they're not a security. They've made more uh, agreements and uh, signed more clients, signed more banks, had more relationships, made acquisitions. They've done all of this since that valuation two years ago, yet they're still only valued at nine and a half billion on the link to platform. And their stock price is currently $58. So if we look at their escrow, I Googled this morning, according to Google, uh, which got it from the third quarter Ripple report, the escrow of Ripple right now that Ripple holds of XRP is $41.3 billion. At 60 cents, that puts it at $24.78 billion for the XRP that Ripple holds. So what we do when we look at an IPO is we use a comparative value of another company. And the only company that we can really use as a comparative value is Coinbase because Ripple is so difficult to compare to uh, just any company. So Coinbase went public at $86 billion was their valuation, which was with 10x move on the Link2 platform. So people made 10 times their money who invested on Link2 to when it went public that day, which was at $250 a share. It ran up to $429 that day of IPO, and then it settled. It closed the day at $328. Um, so if we look at $86 billion of Coinbase valuation for Ripple, for Ripple stock, and add the $24.78 billion of uh, escrow, 
that gives us $110.78 billion valuation total of Ripple, and that's 11 times their current valuation. I'm almost speechless, Linda. So I'm going to kick it to Johnny. What do you think? What do you take away from that hundred billion dollar evaluation? And she just broke it down. I was looking in the background at the bit at the uh, Coinbase chart after they IPO'd. Classic example of four weeks of buying followed by eighteen months of selling. So we're going to get into that conversation as well. But what do you take away from Linda said? Well, I mean, so certainly, I mean, you know, whenever you're trying to value a company, that's always tricky, as Linda said. And you're trying to find the best thing. There is no real. You know, Ripple's more of a technology company, if you will, in this space. And as Linda said, right now, there is no crypto technology company out there to really compare it to other than a Coinbase. Um, so, you know, even if you assume that maybe the, you know, the one thing that I would say there is on the actual escrow, because they're trying to unload it each month, if they unload a certain portion, I think they've been unloading about 30% of it, and then they end up getting it back if people don't take it. So they're probably not going to end up owning that full 41 billion. Maybe they'll end up owning 20 of it. And if it's at a dollar, then it's still, you know, it's going to have a big chunk of valuation there. I think nonetheless, whatever they can't get rid of. So that'll be there to say. And so, you know, yeah, I think there's going to be a good five to 10 X, maybe an eight to 10 X for anybody who's in the IPO. And I'll tell you right now, if you look at most IPOs and Linda will know this way better than me, because I'm a, I'm a rookie when it comes to, stock market i just lose all the time also but they uh you'll see that in the ipos they usually skyrocket in the first few days that's the most profitable time of ipos until full-blown utility look you know facebook took many years later to come back but you will typically make the most money right in the beginning so i can tell you abs i'll be selling some of mine in that because i do think we will see a push to to maybe you know five six hundred dollars four three it depends see if they're smart they're going to time this thing just like Coinbase did. Coinbase timed it. Their IPO was perfectly at the top of the bull market. In fact, I think Bitcoin was at its all-time high when the IPO happened. Now, listen, that doesn't happen coincidentally, okay? Like Linda said, these guys got connected. They know what's going on. I suspect you'll see a similar thing with Ripple where they'll launch it. I've been saying it for a while on the show. I think we'll see the IPO at the heart of the next bull run and yeah, you'll see maximum valuation. And if people are smart, not a cheap plug, you better have an exit plan. You're going to want to sell some of that because, listen, the smart money doesn't hold on to it. They know you dump it and then you buy it back. And if you look at the chart, you'll see that Coinbase did a 90%, came all the way down to 30 bucks. It might even go on to 28. It came down really low, Abs. Yeah, there it is right there. So what, what is that low right there? Around 20 bucks, 30 bucks. From three look at that slope. Look at that. I wish I had a pair of skis to slide down that slope. Look at that slope right there. That's a slope you don't want to be on unless you got skis, or if you short it, like Linda talked about, because then boy, you can make a shit ton of money on the downside. Linda, one question I do have for you is: Does the SEC have to approve this IPO? I believe they do, and if so, is that going to be a big hurdle for Ripple the company? Okay, before I answer that, I just want to say to Johnny: Just remember that sometimes you're not allowed to sell right away. Uh, this is something for people in the audience who are shareholders or potential shareholders, um, because now anyone can buy Ripple. There are no requirements for income or uh, net worth. So if they go public, there may be a period of time and they'll announce it before the IPO that you can't sell the stock. So it might be three months. It might be six months. We don't know what the time period is, but oftentimes there is 
a period of time where you can't sell. And that's because they don't want everyone to rush to the door and sell at once. That's so um, sometimes you do have to wait a period of time before you can sell. But in that chart of, of Coinbase, also what happened was they were selling at the peak of Bitcoin's price, but they also were selling at close to the market all time high. Remember the market peaked in the, at the next January. Mm -hmm. So we had an awful bear market that we went into, which is why Coinbase's price slid so much. And remember the market is working basically on a four year cycle. It mirrors the presidential election cycle. So the third year of a presidential election cycle is the best year in the stock market. And that's this year is the third year. Next year will be the fourth year, which is the second best performing year of the four year cycle. So that will be good performance in the stock market generally next year. Um, and then the worst year is generally the second year of the presidential election cycle, which for us was last year, which was exactly correct. So we had a terrible bear market last year, right on time. And so therefore, I think because we're in year four of the cycle, we're going into year one in 2025. I don't think we're going to see Ripple decline so badly as Coinbase did because we're not in that part of the cycle, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that definitely it, makes sense. Okay. And you know what, Linda, you're right. Look at that chart. So you can see it looks almost like, you know, so people can't sell in the beginning, but they tend to pump it back up again about what, about six months later, where now I'm assuming that's when people can't dump it and look at all that dumping that happened. So you got like that side, you know, it dropped initially right out the gate down to about 250 and then it went sideways for a while. They pumped it back up to its original high and then everybody was able to, you know, who owned it got out and then look at that slide. Okay. So that's good to know because I'm guessing when ripple comes out, it's going to look similar. At least we know how to play the game now. Right. Know the game. So you can't get played. That's what they always say. Johnny crypto. And with only a few, actually guys, we got uh, 564 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We are yet to get into the most exciting story of today. Linda, I'm going to answer your question though, Abs. Sorry. Oh, perfect. I was going to say, close this Sorry, out. I'm sorry. I forgot to answer your question. So yes, I do think they need SEC approval. However, the way that Stuart Eldorati and Brad Berlinghouse have been saying such not you know, nice things about the SEC, I'm not, they're acting to me like they already have approval, that they don't need it. And that it was already granted in some sort of a settlement that hasn't been announced yet. To me, that's what their behavior is telling me. If you needed someone's approval, would you be out bad mouthing them in public? I don't think so. That no. doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So to me, I think it's already a done deal. $200 million spent in legal fees. They have good reason to be upset, Linda. So I'm just kidding. But I do think it's funny that they're always willing to take public shots at Gary Gensler, especially Stuart Alderati. The lead lawyer for Ripple is all over Gary Gensler on Twitter. But here are a couple of tweets from yesterday, guys. As Dubai's regula regulators have con consistently demonstrated their pro-innovation approach. With this announcement, as the latest example, Ripple will continue doubling down in regions where there is regulatory clarity for crypto, a key reason why we're hosting Ripple Swell in Dubai later this year. And Linda, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Ripple Swell event, but that's going to be taking place on November 8th and November 9th. What are you anticipating? We know MasterCard's going to be attending. There's massive financial powerhouses meeting. What do you take away? Well... I'm not surprised that they opened an office in Dubai, and I'm not surprised that we had this news about Dubai that came out this week. 
Dubai had one of the first sets of regulations passed. So they set up crypto laws almost before anybody else. So they've been very crypto friendly. And this is going to be an important place for Ripple Swell. I do not think that the IPO will be announced in at Ripple Swell. I know some people have speculated about that. I don't believe that. I don't think that's when they're going to announce it. I think the announcement will come next year. But I do think that they have some important business partnerships that perhaps haven't been announced. And they're going to continue to just show their strength and be excited about all the things that are happening. And remember, we're right on the verge of ISO 2022 go live, which is November 20th. So this is when I think a lot of funds are going to start to flow through the XRP ledger. And uh, it could be right after that, that it looks like after swell, oh, the price starts going up. Well, we're right at ISO 2022 go live. So yeah, I think it's going to be well-timed. It's an exciting time and it's articles like these that only validate what you just explained right there, Linda. We got a huge announcement out of Dubai yesterday as Ripple made a historic move. XRP became the first virtual asset to be approved by what many people to believe to be Dubai's SEC. This is the same thing as the Securities and Exchange Commission for the United States. The Dubai Financial Services Authority has given a green light for XRP's use within the International Financial Center. Now, Linda, why is this so important? We're going to break that down right now as I found the list of companies registered with the DFSA out of Dubai. And look at this, guys. Standard Charter, Credit Suisse, Barclays Bank, NASDAQ Dubai, uh, Doja Bank. We've got literally the biggest banks on the planet are registered within this region. And indirectly, they're not going to have approval to use these assets and these products going forward. So you talked about on November 20th with ISO protocols being a catalyst. This seems like a necessary move before that take, takes place. So what was your initial reaction to, first of all, the news out of Ripple in Dubai? And second, now that these institutions can leverage their products, what does that mean for XRP? Well, this is and isn't surprising, right? So it's, it's news, so it's surprising, but it isn't surprising because we've seen these same banks before. We've seen these same names before. We know that this has all been happening behind the scenes. So really, all of us who've been studying Ripple and following XRP shouldn't be surprised by much of this. I think that this has all been tested behind the scenes since 2015. We know that this has been ongoing and that there is a larger plan for a new financial system. And I believe that that's close. We're getting that at some point. We need a catalyst for that to happen, but I'm sure that's planned as well. And we'll be getting a new financial system and everything's all set and ready to go. So it's great. It's something we already know. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours, my friend. What did you take away from this news? Going through this list, these are the largest companies on the planet. They basically should have just said, if you're a multi-billion dollar company, you're going to be associated on this list. So what did you take away from the news? You know, you know, at the end of the day, you hear a lot of these banks say that unless they have regulatory approval from whatever agency that governs them, they're not going to play with certain things because they don't want to, they don't want, they don't, you know, most of these large entities are, are and Linda will know this better than me, but they're risk averse. They don't take big risks. And the last thing they want is an agency breathing down their neck. And it feels like to me with this approval now, it's, it's free reign to say, okay, here, here you go. XRP's out there or they're out. You can use this technology now and we're not going to come after you. And, and for me, that's huge as an, as, as a technology person, you know, now those companies are going to go to a technology groups. All right, man, start playing them, design it in. Let's go. Let's test. Let's play. And a lot of them have already tested and played with it in the learning. And the ones that haven't now have the green light to do that. So to me, 
it's super, super bullish news for a company that if if I'm a company owner, right, whether you own Ripple stock, pre-IPO stock, or if you own XRP, it's exciting news and it's exactly what you want to see. You couldn't ask for anything better other than, you know, starting to see stuff like that happen in the U.S. That would be the next best thing. That's a perfect segue, Johnny, because my next question for you is, do articles like these put pressure on, on countries like the United States to become more crypto-friendly? Like we always say, money talks and BS walks. Money's going to be made through this technology. And if Dubai's adopting it, Asia's adopting it, we've seen South America adopting it, why would we move last? Well, I mean, that, that's that's a whole another question of why they were being held back. And I think there's lots of different theories of, of you know, who pulled the real, you know, who really dropped the hammer on them, right? But the reality is they weren't, they either didn't have the right connections or they or they lost the connections and somebody decided to set them back. But listen, Abs, don't, don't, don't think that the big boys aren't in position to make money, whether it's, a, they may not make money, let's say off of the Ripple thing, but they're going to have their hands in this pie, all right? They own the sandbox. Let's not kid ourselves. We know that crypto started with a bunch of geeks owning it, and it was us technical guys, you know, geeks that own it. But it ain't that. That's not the case no more. The big boys are in this game. They are here to stay and play, and they're going to make money on it either way. So to answer your question, no, I don't think this is going to put pressure on the country to say, oh, my God, we all have to run the Ripple. No, JP Morgan's already got their own system. They got their own coin. You know, every 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 all these big boys will have something in place. Some will flock and use the Ripple system, but I don't think it's going to put pressure on the country. Like, oh my God, we have to jump to Ripple right now. That's just my eight cents. And this is very interesting, Johnny. Remember the video we played yesterday at a standard charter where they were discussing the two Ripple use cases? They were on that list. I'm going to play 20 seconds here and go to Linda. Here we go. First one was on trade finance, where we tried to solve the problem of duplicate invoice financing uh, under the code name TradeSafe, in which we collaborated with GBS and IDA, the Singapore sovereign. Um, the second use case is on cross-border payments. So uh, we want to make cross-border payments real-time, instantaneous, with full transparency. So these are the two use cases we are working on. Those are the two use cases they collaborated with Ripple on. And one more detail here, guys. DBS has talked about tokenization for a long time. He just said DBS and Ripple collaborated with Standard Chartered in this pilot program. So with that being said, Linda, floor is yours. Okay, let's break this down. We're coming into the mainstream time for crypto, according to Bitwise, which I completely believe with, with them. I believe they're right. Jamie, Jeremy Allaire from uh, the CEO of Circle said 2024 is the year when stable coins become real money. 2024 is the year stable coins become real money. There's a stable coin bill in Congress right now. They have this all planned out. At the right time, they're going to make stable coins real currency. And we're going to have the XRP ledger that's going to move all of this value around. And we have the standard protocols of ISO 2022 so that all the banks can talk to each other in a standardized way. And this is what we've been waiting for. And we're right on the verge of all of that happening, in my, in my opinion. It's so exciting because at the exact same time, Larry Fink was breaking down how $970 billion of government stimulus are going to enter the market at the beginning of next year. And that's going to be another catalyst for these markets to thrive. You broke down the election cycle. We talk about the four-year crypto cycles. But Johnny, 
This is an important question we have to address. This man said, you're rocking the half sleeve. Where's the respect? When you got guns like Johnny Crypto, you got to show them off. So don't, <laughs> don't take that from the community, Johnny. But you give me your thoughts on what Linda had to say, because she talked about how we're on the precipice of mass adoption, mass utility, and specifically stable coins becoming an official exchange of value. That's going to be huge for, for cryptocurrencies overall. But what's your takeaway? First of all, Abs, we've been on the air for a year and a half, and I don't think I've ever worn anything but a tank top. So just for the record. <laughs> you got a new listener. I don't wear suits. Sorry, guys. If you don't like it, you know, there's all the channels. What can I tell you? But uh, Oh, I think shout out to our friends. This is Sin City Crypto in the building. Shout out to the Sin City Crypto guys. I always watch your program, so shout out to you. Yeah, those guys are great. Um, you know, uh, but, but Linda's, Linda's spot on. I mean, all the pieces are coming together. You see it all happening. I mean, listen, I tell, I'll tell you guys all the time, right? I'm in the technology space. Technology takes a long time to adopt. All these things have been in the works for years. You don't just companies and countries, you don't flip a switch and just overnight. Well, yeah, you do flip the switch, but it's different. The technology and everything, when you flip it, you don't flip it until you're ready. And that's like after you're trying to get it to work. But I mean, it took us two years to get Merlin going, right? There was a lot of code, 36,000 lines of code. Imagine trying to create a system that runs the whole entire world. I mean, no, it's going to take it's gonna take time. But I believe Linda's right that we are at the precipice of the beginning of the adoption of these technologies. Now, nobody's going to like what I'm going to say next, but it's just the reality is just because we're starting adoption today doesn't mean the whole real world utility is going to be fully saturated running on these technologies next month or next year. It's not going to be that quick. It's still going to take a good five to six, eight, 10 years, even longer, right? There you go. The internet adoption curve. It's going to be similar because you're going to, there's a lot of lag in these things and there's a lot of different things. I mean, some of our, some of our banking system code still operates on COBOL right? language. That was written 60 years ago, and they still haven't converted it over, okay? So the reality is that's just the world and how it works. But the good news is we're all here, and I know we're here so early that it feels late, but we are in the very beginning. We are back in like 1997 before this thing takes off when you were in diapers, and we're all excited because, man, there's going to be – we're going to see a tsunami that we've never seen before. And I'm super excited because I just feel there's going to be a ton of money and liquidity coming into this space over the next three, five, 10 years. We're at a $1 trillion market cap today. Linda could probably speak better than me in this, but I, I won't be surprised if we're, you know, five, three to five years from now or 10 years from now, we're at a 10, 15, $20 trillion. Yeah, there it is. There, That's my favorite one. Thanks, Abs, for always, you know, bringing the pain back. Um, and my Amazon story, but you know, so yeah, I sold all my Amazon in, in 2000, like an idiot. Right. And now here, look at what it did 20 years later. So the beginning in that 2000, that was speculative. There was a lot of speculation. It drove the price up and it went from like a dollar to $125. So yeah, it's 125 X. Who isn't going to take that? Right. Think about but, this, Johnny. And I don't mean to cut you off, but look at the beginning of this price chart. This small blip you see on your screen is 125x for the Amazon I, price chart. I know. That's what I lived it. I was there, right? I saw it happen. You were in diapers. Linda and I were living it. And 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 so we lived it. We saw it happen. And then it's like it came down. And then you had to wait another 10, 15 years just to get back to that same price again. You know, this is what we call the speculative bump in the beginning. And then the utility curve and the valuation of the real use utility of the companies that make it, right? Like Petco died and these other ones, there were a couple that crashed. But that abs is what we're going to see in crypto too. Now, 
the time scale may be a little faster. It may be accelerated because the internet's already here, right? So I'm not saying it's going to take 15, 20 years, but I also don't think it's going to take one to two either. I think it's going to be somewhere in that three to five, 10 year range. That's my guess. And anyway, it doesn't matter because I got an exit plan. I'm going to sell some during this current bull run and I'm bringing, I ain't making that mistake again. I ain't selling all my stuff this time around. I'm holding for that utility run five, 10 years from now. Linda, well, remember, reason- remember Brad Garlinghouse has said 90% of crypto is going to go away, right? Sure. So that's likely from legislation. That's likely from them defining what crypto is and what it isn't. And if it doesn't have utility, it likely has been a scam or could have been a scam mm-hmm. and may go away. So that and the fact that Raul Paul said, Crypto will be worth about $100 trillion by 2030. Uh, and he does not just make huge numbers just pulling them out of the sky. He actually does studies and research and bases it on uh, past cycles. So we, if we got to $100 trillion by 2030, that would be really amazing. But I think crypto does move faster. I think it does have more value because it's money. You know, when... People talk about market capitalization of crypto, but what they're ignoring is that when when you look at currencies, currency markets trade in the trillions all the time. The and derivatives, right? The stock, so they're comparing apples and oranges, and you need to think more about currencies and how much we trade in currencies every day. Yeah, that's a good point, Linda, and derivatives too, right? Aren't they like Absolutely. huge? Quadrillions worth of derivatives. And, so, and Abs, let me put another spin up based on what Linda just said. So think about this. She said 90% are going to go away, which we all kind of agree. 10% will survive. Brad said that. Or Brad said that. No, no. I, I know. I meant you were quoting yeah. Brad, right? And I've heard many people say that, right? 90% are going away. Or actually, I've heard people say 99%. Now, remember this. Of those 27,000 coins, right, there's only 12,000 that are active. So forget that number. I don't know why CoinMarketCap shows that. Anyway, that's why we show it. But there's not 27,000 active coins apps. There's 12,000. When we were developing Merlin, we learned it. Like, oh, man, there's only really 12,000 that are working. Assume only 10% of those make it. That's 1,200. Now, that's 1,200 coins that are divided by 100 trillion, you said, Linda? 100 <laughs> trillion dollar market cap. But if you just divided them equally amongst those, I mean, that's a big, big number, right? And it's not going to be equally split. We know it. It's not going to be perfectly weighted equally. But the point is, there's a shit ton of money to be shared among those. And the good news for most of us here, we are invested in utility coins, right? We're in the ones that we think are going to be real world solves. None of those, you know, safe moon and all those shit coins that are going to go away and disappear. So it is, it is really excited if you pick right. And even if you pick wrong, there's You only need one or two horses to win this race. And so that's why diversify, look at the ISO 2002, uh, 222. If you're getting started, yeah, there it is. Look at that number. Holy shiz. I think that's $83 dollars. And I promise you one thing, it's not going to be distributed evenly. So a lot of these projects are going to have much less and much more. But Linda, what do you think about that? $100 trillion divided by $1,200, that's $83 billion, if I'm correct. For that each means project. each coin market cap would be $83 Like Just to give an example, Ripple's at 26 right now or 32 or something like that. So there's a 3X in that alone if they were equally split, which we know that isn't going to be the case. Yeah, well, one of the things one of the things that David Schwartz talked about is the fact that when things get tokenized, it's going to change how people get paid, right? Mm-hmm. So 
we can get paid hourly. We can get paid, you know, based on a job. Mm -hmm. Get paid immediately after the job is done. And the reason that we get paid every two weeks was because it took two weeks for the payroll to get done. But when you can pay people immediately, you're going to be able to do things like, you know, rent a car by the hour or uh, all kinds of different uses for things that we don't have today. All kinds of like Uber, Uberization of things, right? Or Airbnb, all this kind of change that has started to happen. It's going to, it's going to go even faster when payments change and we're able to tokenize payments and really break them down to individual, you know, minutes or jobs done or work done on a social media situation. I mean, it's, our whole world is about to change and it's exciting. And yeah, it's a great time to be ahead of the adoption curve, Johnny. We got 660 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. We talked a lot about this. 90% of the money that enters the crypto market exits on the back end during a bear market. And so it's important to take profits on the way up. That's why we created Merlin, the smartest way to track your crypto. You go in, you create your sell targets and you stick to the plan that you create. That way you can capitalize on a lot of profit that came into the market. Linda, in 2021, if I could go back in time, the one thing I would change is I would take a little bit more profit on my crypto during that bull run. And that's a mistake I'm not going to make twice. But you brought up real world utility and real world use cases coming from the tokenization of assets and instant payments. David Schwartz broke down a great example, and we're not going to play the video for the sake of time. But what he talked about was drip bank accounts. That means when you clock into work, you get paid by the minute, every minute. That money is automatically deposited into your account. And when you clock out, you've now made your $600 for the day. Let's say you get paid a million dollars a day, right? Shout out to our listeners. <laughs> Write down your goals, people. A million dollars a day in your drip account. You're not going to wait till Friday anymore. So that's going to revolutionize everything. What do you think about David Schwartz's statements before we move on? I think that's exactly right. It's going to create all kinds of business situations, all kinds of new enterprises, all kinds of things that we've never thought of before. He used the example of email being so different than what we get in postage, postal mail. And that's right. We get all kinds of different emails than we ever expected to get. We didn't know we were going to get all of that when the internet came into being and we got email, but it developed into a sales and marketing tool. It developed into, you know, a hobby list. It developed into, you know, buying things online. I mean, it's just changed and revolutionized our world. And this is, we're, we're about to go into that times a hundred, I think, because it's money and money is going to become like as easy as sending an email over the internet and it's going to be instantaneous and it's going to be able to be earned right away. And that's going to change everything. Well, not only is it going to change everything, but think about that. People typically have to wait to Friday abs before they get money and spend, right? Now imagine if you're getting money daily, think about the dynamics of how that's going to change your, your spending habits, right? You're going to, if you have more money in your hand, you're probably going to spend it. It's just going to change the, I think, I think when right, it's going to be an economy change. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how that impacts things. But it also has a, you know that cool benefit of, hey, I don't have to wait till Friday to get paid anymore. I think there is a lot of value in that. But also ways that you earn money are probably going to change. <clears throat> I already look at Twitter X where they're paying people for their content. And that's a huge change. And of course, we have you know the creators on YouTube and things like that that are getting paid for creating content. I mean, I think that's going to multiply and there's going to be numerous ways of of things that we don't have now just like we didn't have social media years ago we're going to have all kinds of new things and new ways to earn money and and not just keep our typical jobs but i think we're going to have new jobs and new new wealth creation opportunities 
This is what I wanted to focus on, Linda. We talked a lot about how the opportunity is right in front of us. It's 1998 if we're talking about the adoption of the internet. But one of the things that comes to my mind as somebody who I guess is a little bit younger is how patient am I going to have to be, right? This is the whole argument here. If it's 1998, like Johnny said, it took a decade before Amazon was what it is today. So how many of these projects are, do you think, a decade away from being the next Amazon, Microsoft, Apple within this technology space? Okay. I don't think it's going to take a whole decade. I think within the next three years, which is when this cycle will peak before we have our next down cycle, I think by 2026, you're going to see a whole lot of change and a whole lot of value. And XRP is not going to be anywhere near 60 cents. <laughs> That's what I think. Johnny Crypto, that was music to my ears, my friend. But I want to get some thoughts from you. There's a lot of places that we can end this episode, but I'm thinking we're going to end it with a MoneyGram video talking about why they moved away from Ripple in 2020. We thought it was the lawsuit. Could be a different conversation, but we're going to get into it at the end. What's on your mind? Yeah, no, I think Linda's right. There is going to be a level of adoption that happens over the next. It's starting now, and we're going to con it's going to continue, and it's going to accelerate in the minute. BlackRock's ETF comes out and gets approved and legitimizes this industry and this space. Then you're going to just start to see more. You're going to get regulation. You're going to get this and that. And it's just the whole market industry is going to skyrocket. Yeah, I don't think we're going to. I was talking to Kevin Cage yesterday. We were laughing a little bit, right? And it, something came up. Oh, maybe there'll be a little pullback at XRP, maybe 20 cents. I'm like, there is. I mean, it would be awesome, but you're never going to see 20 cent XRP again. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think we could. I think you we do, could. Linda? 20 cents? I, I hope you're right. Please let there be one more time. So, I would love so this is what I tell my VIP members is that I'm not predicting that it will happen, but I'm saying it could happen. So don't mm. wait to buy your XRP right. because you're betting on it happening, but have some set aside in case it happens. Because when we go to the new system, whatever's going to happen has to happen in order to us for us to go to that new system. Oh, so whether that's a cyber attack Black or Star. whatever it is, I'm kind of thinking it's a cyber attack, yeah. but um, whatever it is that happens that brings us over to the parallel system that is running alongside us. And I know it's running right now because it used to take three days to send a wire and have money transferred. Today, it's the same day. Same day. So we're yeah. already moving. We already have the new system that they're running behind the scenes and they've been doing that for a while. and they just need that catalyst, that black swan or whatever you want to call it, that's going to allow them to say, oops, we got to move over to this new system now. And I think we're close to that. And that's probably, I think, a cyber attack, but we're, we're almost there. Johnny yeah. Crypto, I just wanted to spend one moment on this. So Linda, it feels like XRP has been underperforming, but check out these stats. And I want to get your opinion before we close it out with a MoneyGram article. 2% on the daily gain, 10% on the weekly gain, 20% on the monthly, but 81% growth year to date for the project XRP. And I know these stats are a little bit misleading because if you go to 2017, we're still down from the all-time high, but it right. definitely shows we're trending in the right direction. And you painted a very optimistic picture for 2024 and potentially 2025. That's when the bull run is set to take place. So we don't talk a lot about price targets, but you said you're optimistic for XRP. What are you anticipating over the next year? Well, I don't have a price target per se, but in my book, Three Steps to Quantum Wealth, which is uh, that one, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Um, I did talk about mm -hmm. how this is a repeat of the internet boom from the 1990s into 2000. I talked about the amazing compounding opportunities, how XRP itself has compounded dramatically 
over time. And I think that things run in cycles and we're going to see a repeat of that compounding cycle. So we're going to get compounding into the thousands of percent, no doubt about it. It's just a matter of, you know, what time horizon that happens on. But I'm very optimistic. I think we have adoption here. If you remember Shannon Thorpe from Wells Fargo was an insider who said she 100% sees that XRP is going to be the winner. She couldn't, you know, talk about it, this in detail, but just said mm -hmm. from what she's seeing within Wells Fargo, she believes, you know, she's saying a $500 price. I don't know if that's correct or not. She's calling for that like within a year. Mm -hmm. I don't know again, if that, if that's the case, but I will say that she said that banks could not talk to each other. And with this ISO 20022 standard coming in and the go live happening this month, they are actually going to be able to communicate. That's what that's all about, right? So we're moving forward with banks. This has all been planned behind the scenes. The reason why the United States is last is because we're the world's reserve currency. It's not that we're really behind in the whole world. I don't believe. I think we have been moving forward with our companies. We're going to get legislation, but it's going to come in at the right time as it has been planned. And it's because we're the world's reserve currency that we're safe for last. I love that, Linda. That's you, you answered so many questions. I'm going to have to clip that and put it on Twitter. So be ready for that, guys. But we're <laughs> going to end this thing with a MoneyGram video today. I want to give a shout out to our friend Riz XRP. We met that we met this guy at the proper party. Really cool guy. So shout out to you, my friend, if you're watching. This is MoneyGram talking about why they moved away from Ripple's products and how maybe they're not actually addressing a solution. Let's talk about it. Do you think Ripple could make a comeback? There's a lot of FX volatility in that stuff. Um, that's probably the single biggest challenge that we had, um, you know, using that was we were trying to look at cross-border um, use cases and you go from, you know, US dollar to a peso like we do today, you got to buy pesos, you have to buy pesos into the market. There's an FX cost to that. Well, you think when you go into the crypto world, you could eliminate the FX cost. The reality is you can't because that, that, that coin's moving around in value. So it didn't really solve for anything. And actually it added a, a third element because you know you're going a dollar to a currency to another currency. So now you're doing like two foreign exchange trades instead of one. So it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. So, um, uh, you know, um, I won't comment on, you know, what else they're doing or, or, but you know, what does make a lot of sense. Apparently stellar makes a lot of sense for these guys. So Linda, I want to get your thoughts. We'll kick it to Johnny. I think that argument was from like 2015 and they've already, you know, ripples answered that there's a three second, you know, situation for the, the transfer using it as a bridge currency. It, and ripple, I believe covers the volatility or any change in price anyway. So, there's no issue with that. That is old news, old argument that is just make made up, make believe. It's laughable. It's laughable. Johnny Crypto, do you add that guy to the rat snake weasel index? That's the question that I got for you. But what did you think when you saw that video? I got the rat snake weasel index right here. We could definitely I don't know how old the video was. I don't know if it was before or after they cut ties with him. Remember, they dropped Ripple right after the lawsuit came out, Ebbs. They were really quick to they were one of the you know, dropped them like a hot potato, almost like most of the exchanges did. So I don't have any love for these guys. You know, maybe there's some truth into what he was talking about five, 10 years ago. If take, But I did, you know, I have heard, um, you know, that Ripple has done things to improve. It's like any technology, right? Even with Merlin, we're always making changes to upgrade and improve and fix things. Whenever you launch something in the beginning, it's always the worst version of what you're going to launch. And you're going to, and you may have bugs or you may have things that you over, you know, missed, you didn't think of or didn't catch in the beginning like oh okay 
let's go fix that. You know, let's prevent that. And at the end of the day, if, if what he was saying was true, then wouldn't all the other companies who tested and tried out come out and be saying the same thing? That's the only thing. The only guy I've heard talk about this. So I don't know. Abs. I don't hold too much weight. He's got a little sour grapes there. I think there may be some other reasons of why they dropped them there, but none of those. Don't forget. No, I don't know how many people know this, but when MoneyGram did partner with Ripple, it was because Ripple paid them to partner. Maybe Ripple stopped paying them and like, okay, we're not going with you guys because now Stella decided to pay them. Don't forget, a lot of that happens behind the scenes. So, Remember when Bitcoin tried the Lightning Network in South America and it took like an hour and a half for it to transfer <laughs> anywhere? Like that's volatility of price, an hour and a half, not yeah. three seconds. Exactly. Johnny, you bring up a great point too. I didn't actually know, or I didn't remember that at least that Ripple paid for their partnership with MoneyGram. Right. That kind of removes all credibility. It's kind of like when you see these crypto projects go out and pay Amazon to say that they're associated. There was a lot of that during the 2021 bull run. But that's guys, we why, go that's ahead. why I love Davax because Amazon actually went to them and said, we're going to use you guys. They didn't get paid to say we're using you guys. That is a big difference. Well, Linda, I want to remind our listeners not only where they can find your content, but you have an international bestseller, Three Steps to Quantum Wealth. First of all, congratulations on that. That's a, that's an amazing accomplishment right there. But where can they find more of your content? Maybe what's your book about? Where can they buy it? Yeah, they can buy it on Amazon. We, we hit number one in Canada, the US and Australia. Mm -hmm. so that was exciting. And um, yeah, I mean, I talk about the ISO 2022 cryptos and why I think those are the important ones to own. And then also just the potential wealth that can be created during this cycle of technology, because we are in an amazing technology cycle. It's not just crypto. We're seeing it with electric vehicles. We're seeing it with flying cars. We're seeing it with AI. We're seeing it with so many different things. And it's about all to converge together. And so that's what quantum wealth is about, all this technology and this new era that we're in and why this is one of the, the times that people can create the most wealth in history, I believe. So that's what I wrote about. That's really, really exciting. And Linda, remind us one more time, what are your social medias in case anybody's looking for you? At Linda P. Jones on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find me there and Instagram. Someone uh, has hijacked my account, but we're trying to get it back. So Aww. that's a great segue. Actually, I had a user DM me last night, guys, I will never, ever, ever message you on Twitter and ask for money or your information or anything like that. There are a couple of fake accounts out there. Linda, I'm sure you've dealt with the same issue. These guys are relentless. If they put that amount of effort into a real job, I'm sure they could be successful. <laughs> we got six out of four. First of all, don't give me any money anyways, guys. I don't know why you would give me, donate me money. I'm, I'm okay over here. And also, I don't want it from our community. I love you guys. But we got 604 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to say thank you to Linda for joining the show today. And we'll see you guys in 72 hours. Like we always say, Johnny, Warriors, Rise. Let's shit together, baby. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you all have an amazing weekend. Let's go, baby. Thank you, Linda. My pleasure. Thank you.